Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of He Book, She Book, the Pro Wrestling Podcast, where your two hosts book and rebook your favorite superstars and storylines of the past, present, and future. My name's Mike. And I'm Becca. And today we are talking about NXT and AEW's Blood and Guts, an extra show this week for you guys, highlighted by two big shows from the two biggest promotions in professional wrestling. And man, did these two shows really really perform. We will get to AEW's highly anticipated blood and guts a little bit later on. We wanted to start off for the week with Tuesday's huge night for NXT. We had a show highlighted really to me by the women's division on this NXT roster. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, your women's tag team champions versus Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, your challengers of the night. And these four women absolutely put on a show. Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez had a fantastic back and forth, but we start off the show with Leon Ruff versus Isaiah Swerve Scott in an anywhere, a falls count anywhere match that, I mean, we're going into this, we haven't really been watching NXT a ton, right? Yeah, every now and then, not religiously. Like, we used to be into it a lot, uh, a little bit, maybe like a year or two ago, uh, fell off a little bit once it, I guess, probably when it went to USA, I guess. We were watching it a lot on the network. Mm-hmm. And then once it went to USA, we've been watching a little bit more of AEW, but we really wanted to watch NXT this week because of the matches they had announced. And without any build for us, Isaiah Swerve Scott and Leon Ruff was a fantastic match. Yeah, it was a great match. I say that every time I see Leon Ruff, though. he He's very... He does a lot of flips and he does cool things and he's fun to watch. Yeah. He's just, he's like, he's slippery. He finds <laughs> weird ways out of all these different moves and weird ways to get into all these different moves. Very creative move set. Stuff he does that, like, I've just never seen before. And yeah, these guys knocked it out of the park. Isaiah Swerve Scott gets the win. But to me, that was really one of the highlights of the show. We had a Cameron Grimes squash match. Cameron Grimes gets the win there. Champa and Timothy Thatcher versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Also a decent tag match. But then we get to Karrion Cross, your NXT champion, coming out and get, really addressing the entire NXT locker room. This huge guy accompanied by his gorgeous, I guess, are they calling it his wife? It is his wife in real life, but I don't know if they're calling him... Yeah, she might just be like his manager on the show. Yeah, uh, Scarlett Bordeaux. And everyone had something to say to Karrion Cross. Well, yeah, because Karrion Cross comes out for this in-ring promo, and then Kyle O'Reilly comes out saying that he wants this match, and he should be the one getting the match, and then, of course, Pete Dunne comes out to interrupt Kyle O'Reilly because he doesn't care about a match between Kyle O'Reilly and Karrion Cross, and he's saying that nobody does. Well, he said that they were having a laugh, Yeah. first of all. <laughs> Anytime you're going to bring some, some British banter into anything I like, I'm in. And Pete Dunne, who we've been fans of for a while now, oh, uh, yeah. since the UK tournament, still a bright star, bright future. Uh, and I would I would watch that. I'd watch Karrion Cross and Pete Dunne. Yeah, well, I'd that's watch Karrion exactly, Cross and Kyle O'Reilly. Well, Pete Dunne was saying that people would want to see him versus Karrion Cross over um, Kyle Dunne. O'Reilly versus Karrion Cross. And I agree with that. I would want to see Pete Dunne more... 
And then, you know, Finn Balor comes out and he's like, hey, Pete, been there, done that. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, been there, done that. Well, like, the highly anticipated return of Finn Balor. He's been mm-hmm. on vacation since TakeOver, which we watched. Karrion Cross came back, took the NXT Championship away from Finn Balor. And Finn is, he's been the star of NXT. Oh, yeah. He's carried it. I mean, I wouldn't say carried it because the Undisputed Era and everything that happened with that has been fantastic. Whatever's next for Adam Cole, I can't wait for. He was not on this show. Mm-mm. But we did get Kyle O'Reilly, who is... I mean, he's fantastic. And I'm always interested in what he's going to do next in his singles career. Same with Pete Dunne. Same with Finn Balor. And Finn comes out, and he's not in a talking mood. Oh, no. He comes out and says, like, once you're done with Theory, and then he cuts himself off yeah. to attack Cross. <laughs> Don't so, think I've seen that one before. Yeah, so there ends up being a whole brawl in the ring with all these men just going at it, and then Cross ends up being the last man standing. Yeah, Karrion Cross looks like a beast He looked. That. He looked like he was just ready to dominate the whole division. And he basically and did. And he did. And even the security guards that come out to, like, you know, pretend to stop these guys, like... He, one of the security guard, guards gets attacked, He full-blown Charlotte flared those yes, security guards. Yes, And then once everything comes down and you think, like, all right, Karrion Cross is the last man standing in this ring, everything's got, like, whatever the next thing's about to happen, Gargano and Theory come out from behind, and yep. then they end up leaving Cross laying in the ring. So that was set up, and I love NXT's way of setting things up and their storylines intertwine and everything mm-hmm. kind of flows way better. It's what we were talking about actually during the show. Yeah, they are was so it, good at telling a story. Yes. And earlier in the night, Austin Theory, who's been hilarious. And there's something just about like he's Johnny and Candace's special little boy uh, in this faction, the way. And they're looking, Johnny and Austin Theory are looking for William Regal. They have some things to say. And Scarlet is also, at the time, talking to William Regal. And Austin Theory uh, is looking at Scarlet, as one does, and notices that something on Scarlet is very big. Right? People have noticed this before. This isn't anything new. Austin Theory points it out, that he cannot believe how big Scarlet's nails are. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Yep. Right? <laughs> and that ends up <laughs> pissing off Scarlet, obviously. And that sets up our match for Karrion Cross versus Austin Theory next week. It's kind of, it was weird to see Karrion Cross beat the piss out of everyone else. And like, and everybody walked away, like it wasn't like a brutal beatdown because security came down, but he takes care of Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor, and then Gargano and Theory take him out and well, they leave him laying. Them. Yes. Uh, it was just weird because Gargano's your North American champion. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I don't know if there's something set up down the road for like an Austin Theory, John Gargano thing, but it was weird to me that they were. To, it has to spell that Karen Cross is going to beat the shit out of Austin Theory next week. Yeah. That if if it's not that, then this was a weird segment in general. But I think it was one of it was one of the best segments of the show, just because it showed how deep the talent pool is in NXT. Oh yeah, they had every. Everybody that came out, I kept going, oh, that's going to be a good match. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to be a good match. Like, yeah. everybody that came out, I kept thinking that. And I love Finn Balor, and I love yes. watching him wrestle. So when he when his music hit and he came out, I was like, I don't care at all about Pete Dunne anymore. I don't care at all about Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Let's see Finn right now. Like, Finn looks like a star, acts like a star, as in, and is presented as a star. 
But they've done a great job of making us believe that Karrion Cross is also a star. Yeah. And that's what you want in your champion. And he showed dominance. He is the monster in that division. Uh, I don't underst- I don't see a path for him on the main roster. But in NXT, he can be on a warpath for quite some time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Up next, we had Zeta Ramirez versus Saray. Saray pins Zeta. This was a good match. Uh, the next thing we had up was Jake Atlas versus LA Knight. LA Knight gets the win in this match. Also another good match. Tony Storm has a backstage promo. And then Legato Del Fantasma also has an in-ring promo. Yes, yeah, so Santos Escobar is out here with El Legato Del Fantasma and basically saying that he wants to help propel them into a full-blown, just gold-covered faction. He wants his cruiserweight title back from Kushida, and he wants Joaquin Wilde and Roel Mendoza to take the NXT Tag Team Championships away from MSK. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's set up brilliantly. I like Santos Escobar a lot. He's your former cruiserweight champion. And next week, he'll take on Kushida in a two out of three falls match. And, I mean, that match is going to bang, I think, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And then, yeah, from there we go into the highlight of the show, which is the women's division. Yeah, so there before the tag team championship match, there was a backstage promo before between Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez. And it was great. Yeah. I love... Mercedes Martinez. Yes. I love her. And I, the more I watch Raquel, the more I love Raquel. And everything they said about each other was so true. Like Mercedes was saying, I paved the way for you. I paved the way for you. And I set the bar and blah, blah, blah. And With some jabs in there. Oh, yeah. Called Raquel Gonzalez cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. But Raquel, you know, said the same thing. Like you might have set the bar, but I raised the bar. That was a fire and line. That was great. That whole thing. And they're not face-to-face, they're split-screen, so I don't know if this was recorded in parts. It was definitely pre-recorded, it wasn't a live segment, but they absolutely killed it. That was one of the best side-by-side promos I've ever seen, because a lot of times it's like a weird, maybe there's a delay, because you can't really work off someone else when you're not in the same room with them. It's a lot harder, right? But these two girls absolutely killed that promo, and Mercedes Martinez... As great as she is, as long as her career's been, to finally get, you know, a shot like this. Next week on NXT, Raquel Gonzalez defends for the first time her NXT Women's Championship against Mercedes Martinez. I love Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, this is going to be a split household, though, I think, next week. I've been on the Raquel Gonzalez train for a while now. I think she's a beast. And she she has just... uh, I I think this match is going to be very good. I don't think there's any chance Mercedes Martinez wins. I agree with you. Just, I like Mercedes. But I do also like something that Raquel said at the end of this, where she said, you might be my first, but you're not my last. And another fire thing just coming out of her mouth. And if she can back back what she's saying, she's going to do amazing. Yeah, this needs to be, because Raquel Gonzalez is, I mean, compared to Mercedes Martinez, she's new to this. She's new to wrestling, right? And if you can give her just the best wrestlers, best female wrestlers in your division, she's going to look good no matter what. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that's how you build, like Roman Reigns right now on SmackDown has unbelievably good opponents. 
And he's great on his own, but when you give them a dance partner that has so much experience and knows what they're doing, like Mercedes Martinez does, she's going to make Raquel Gonzalez look great, and she's going to look great in what will definitely be a loss. Yes. So then the next thing that we had up, which was the main event of the night, is Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae for the Tag Team Championship. Um, I like that Ember and Shotzi had this, like, Freddie and Jason, like, yeah, look little, to them. Get up. I yeah. like that. Um, I've noticed things about Shotzi that, like, I don't think she cares if she dies while this is happening. Like, to, yeah. she would be happy if she died doing wrestling. She puts herself <laughs> in some very... She dies doing wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have said that about Shotzi Blackheart because she just literally throws uh, it, her life around. There were so many different times during this match that, like, I my hands were on my face. I thought she was going to be severely hurt or Well, that was something. a couple... This match, this street fight... It was amazing. We're going to talk about Blood and Guts later. I loved this match, and this might have been my favorite match of the week. Yeah, this was great. And, I mean, the spine buster to Indy Hartwell in the corner on the table, and then the table doesn't break, it looked like Concussion City. Yeah, who... I don't know how Indy was able to just, like, get up and do her next move. Yeah. Because I don't know how she didn't just... Candice LeRae, a great spot with the um, springboard moonsault. You had Shotzi suicide herself basically onto Candice, that like swan dive or that trust fall mm-hmm. onto Candice on the ladder. These girls put it all on the line, and Candice and Indy are your new women's tag team champions. Already the third women's tag team champions for these pretty much brand new titles. Yeah. And again, these aren't... Indy and Ember are thrown together, 100%, but they've been doing it for a little bit now. No, Ember and Shotzi. Yes, Ember and Shotzi are a thrown together tag team, Mm -hmm. and they work well together. Nothing against that. Oh, yeah, they did. They worked fine. You had Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai as your initial women's tag team champions. Not a thrown together team, right? Candice and Indy, not a thrown together team, part of the same faction. When you don't have just nothing but thrown together tag teams... Everything works so much smoother. I mean, Candice is a vet. She can kill it with anybody. And she helps Indy get to that next level. And like you said, during the match, they work really well together. They worked so well together. I kept saying that. Because you don't have to do tag team moves to be a good tag team. No. And I think that's where a lot of tag teams go wrong. Where they're like, oh, we have to definitely do one move together Mm -hmm. to be this best tag team. And, And you don't have to do that. No. Especially in this, like, tornado fashion where there's no tags. It's just an all-out assault. And, yeah, I think it was... It might have been my favorite match of the weekend. Uh, But that brings us to the the most anticipated match of the week. And that was your AEW Blood and Guts. It's not a pay-per-view. It's just a show on Wednesday that got... It finally achieved the number one rating on Wednesdays. The challenge was in its second week of the reunion, and AEW finally comes out on top ahead of every other show on Wednesday nights. A huge success for AEW, but ratings doesn't necessarily mean the match was good. This means the match was well promoted, right? But I have to say, the whole show, from top to bottom, I enjoyed. Yeah, I, I mean, they did 
a great job with how they opened the show. They didn't have any parts where you just were like tired and yeah. just over it. They did a really good job of placement and what matches were, who was going against who. Well, it's the same thing we said about NXT. Everything just flowed very yes. smoothly. It was just, it was very well put together, very well orchestrated. And I read after the fact that all of the matches before the Blood and Guts match were pre-recorded. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So it took a while to build that cage. So all the matches, all the reaction was real, but it was the it was the live crowd reacting to video of the matches playing on the big screen in that uh, stadium. Very interesting way to put on a live show. Yeah. But it worked. It did work. I didn't know that information. It didn't change anything about it. And they opened the show with the my champion. Man, with my favorite person well, in the entire world. Yeah. Oh, no. The, not the champion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kenny Omega's cool, but... Yeah. Uh, so they opened the show with John Moxley, who I love more than life itself. And he's with Eddie Kingston. They're going against Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. Uh, so <laughs> I have one question. Yeah, we have the same question, I think. <laughs> Why was Nakazawa allowed to use things like his lanyard and like the cord to his headset to just choke out Eddie Kingston and nothing yeah, that didn't there, stop anything? There was a common thread in on this show in general, and again, we, we don't we're not weekly watchers of AEW. We will probably eventually become weekly weekly watchers, uh, or at least you know we watch the biggest matches, right? Yes. Like, we'll be tuning in next week for Moxley versus Yuji Nagata, 100%. But, what are AEW referees? Where are they trained? What The the amount of stuff that people get away with... And, like, listen, we know... You know yeah, we know it. There's no, like, <laughs> real rules. There's no real, like, anything. Like, but to just have Michael Nakazawa be choking John Moxley... With his lanyard and it his headset. It was on headset. two different, two different two occasions. different occasions that this happened. And then you had, there was another moment where you had Nakazawa and Kenny Omega in the same ring at the same time, which is not allowed. Yeah, they were doing moves together. Yes, for a while. Mm -hmm. And the referee's like, oh no, stop, please, <laughs> like please don't, away. yeah, get out of here. <laughs> and like nothing, there were no, there was no negative, like there was no consequences. No. You can do whatever you want in AEW matches. It's like ECW. Basically. You actually can, because at one point, Kenny Omega just leaves yes. while John Moxley is yeah. holding Nakazawa. Mm -hmm. Omega just walks away. So, like, you can just do whatever you want yeah. in these matches is what we're learning. Uh, but because Kenny Omega walked away, you know, other things happen. Moxley ends up getting this win. And Moxley and Kingston. Yes, well, Moxley pinned Nakazawa yes. and gets the win. And then the Young Bucks come out, and then Gallows and Anderson came out, and everybody's attacking Moxley and Kingston, and then Omega comes back to help. Yes. So he can't like wrestle, the, but yeah. he can come back to attack them after the fact. He's the, you know, he's the the sneaky heel. He, yes. He doesn't get his hands dirty if he doesn't have to, but he will come out at the very last moment, which is very much like NJF, who we'll get to later, who was the star of this show, really. Oh, yeah. So next we had Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. 
And Cody Rhodes had Arn Anderson with him, and Arn Anderson, every time I see him, I just laugh. Love Arn Anderson. Just, big big Arn household here. It just It's so funny every time I see him. Um, so, I, the only thing that I have to say about this match is, this was not the Blood and Guts match, but no. there was a lot of blood during this match. Something happened to Cody. He was that, bleeding from, like, his eyelid? Yeah, I don't know what on earth happened to this man, but he was bleeding, and not a little bit. Yeah. Like, but, he, got, he got cut the hard way, and... I mean, I haven't seen a ton of QT Marshall because we're not weekly watchers. I've seen some because he was in the Nightmare Family with Cody. Mm-hmm. Solid match. Yeah, it was solid a good match. work. Any, I love Cody Rhodes. Big Cody Rhodes fan. Uh, I think he's one of the better workers in AEW in professional wrestling in general. And I mean, he is the reason why AEW exists. Yeah, and seriously. I, yeah, and I love that he doesn't mind working at the bottom or like in the middle of the card. Mm-hmm. Like he's not putting himself in these major matches, but he is putting himself in storylines. Great match. Cody gets the win, makes QT Marshall tap out, and then... Uh, then there was Britt Baker versus Julia Hart, and this is Julia Hart's Dynamite debut. Yeah, this is a squash match. Yeah, that's really... I mean, this she is, tapped out to Britt Baker pretty yeah. quickly. That's all we have to say about that match. Britt Baker's a killer. She, she is. She is the... She's the female star of AEW, She's not the champion at the moment, but, I mean, since the inception of AEW, she's been billed as the, at the forefront of, like, she's mm-hmm. one of the, Britt Baker is the female pillar of AEW. Yeah, for sure. So next we have the Varsity Blondes versus Jurassic Express versus SCU versus The Acclaimed. All four teams, yeah. There were so many people in this match, it yeah. was hard to keep up. Uh, but SCU pins the Varsity Blondes. I honestly, I'm not sure who pinned who. Yeah. I just know that's how that happened. I, th- and I believe it was Christopher Daniels pinned Brian Pillman Jr. Yes, I do remember Brian Pillman Jr. was the one who yeah. got pinned. SCU now has a match against the Young Bucks from winning this match. No offense to SCU, don't care. I'm pretty sure I've seen this match before, and I would have liked to have seen... I liked Max, Max Caster a lot. Uh, the Acclaimed seemed like a, a bright young tag team. Uh, Jurassic Express is fun because Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy yeah, is a I, fun Yeah, I think I would have liked to see them win. They they do seem like fun. I mean, it's probably yeah. the best way to And then Varsity that. Blondes have a crazy amount of potential. Brian Pillman Jr. just carrying the family name. Uh, Griff Garrison I don't know a ton about, except that he has a crazy amount of hair. Yeah, he did. This, is, this man has, I mean, the body on this hair. And, yeah, SCU comes away with the victory. It didn't really, I don't know, it just didn't strike my interest. Like, I'm not interested in a Young Bucks versus SCU match because I'm pretty sure I've seen it before. And, yeah, moving on. So that brings us to the main event. So the main event of Blood and Guts is the Blood and Guts match. Yeah. That's the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. Yeah. The whole thing was really cool, how they set it up, how they had everybody come out. Uh, the Inner Circle had those jumpsuits on that made them look like they were... Prisoners, Prisoners. Yeah. That was... Very I, cool. I like everything that AEW does down to, like, their costume. Yeah, like, no, because you, you had like the Pinnacle everything. in the all-white. They looked great. They yes. looked like a unit. Even freaking uh what was it tully blanchard was mm-hmm. with them yeah in just a white suit which is not picking white for blood and guts 
Yeah, probably wasn't the Interesting best idea. choice, but I, I do like it. Everything yeah. looked great. They looked phenomenal. The prison outfits for the Inner Circle looked phenomenal. And there's a lot to get to in this match, uh, good and bad. Uh, but we should probably say that the Pinnacle gets the victory. Yeah, they do. Uh, this match, if you've ever seen War Games, this was a War Games match. Just They're just calling it by a different name because WWE owns the rights to the name War Games. Uh, it's two rings enclosed by one massive cage. You start off with a one-on-one, and then after, I believe it was two minutes, uh, another competitor will enter the ring for a two-on-one advantage, and then they enter every two minutes, same thing back and forth, until all ten men are in the ring, and then you have what is called the all-out assault, and it's submit or surrender. The only two ways to win. Somebody's got to either tap out, or quit the match, and then that's how you get your winner. Uh, different than how NXT's War Games went, because NXT's War Games, everyone was won by uh, a pinfall. Yes. No pinfalls in this match. It's submit or surrender, and they did it in a way that MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who has been like the guy on everyone's radar for so long because he's so young and has... Just the best heel character going, maybe in professional wrestling right now. They made him look like the star of AEW. Yeah, I mean, he got to the top of that cage. And then, you know, Jericho makes his way up there too. And it gets to a point where you can just tell that MJF has this match. Like, he yeah. is, he's going to be the guy from this match. And sure enough, things, you know, turn around and he's threatening to throw Jericho off of the top of the cage. Yeah, hilarious. If the inner circle doesn't surrender. Yeah. And, you know, the inner circle starts to surrender. Yeah, because it's quit or I kill Chris Jericho. Yeah, and he was ready to. And, you know, we're, we're sitting on the couch laughing and I'm going, he's going to still throw Chris Jericho of off of this. Of course he's going to still throw him off of this. Why are they surrendering right now? He's yeah. still going to throw him off of this. Yeah. And, you know, sure enough, um, I think it was Sammy came out and surrendered. Everybody just started screaming, like, we yeah. surrender, we surrender. So they surrender, and then, of course, MJF still throws Jericho off the top of the cage. Of course he did. And and MJF, at this point, is dripping blood. Everybody like, is. Everybody in this match, they sold this as blood and guts, and holy shit, it were was there blood, blood and, and guts. guts. This match was one of the most brutal matches I've seen in a long time. Uh, at least since, like concussions have been really... Um, there were like, headshots with the chairs that I did yeah, not expect to many, see in wrestling. Yeah, at one point you said like, I didn't think they did uh, unprotected chair shots, but that's a WWE rule. AEW yeah. doesn't have that rule, but it's still kind of like, we don't... We just don't do that because yeah. like nobody should. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of unprotected... Well, I wouldn't say unprotected headshots. They had a lot of headshots with the chair. Um, MJF is a bloody mess, but the out... The final shot of this show was MJF covered in blood with the Blood and Guts logo behind him while he's on top of this cage, and he looked like the star of AEW. And they even said, I think it was Tony Schiavone, uh, the announcers, that said MJF climbed to the top of this cage. Is he at the top of AEW? And that's what it looked like. Yeah, it did. Like, there's always, 
it's always fun to like have storyless or storylines and storytelling and symbolism in wrestling. When you have a guy like that pictured that way, MJF's your top heel in the company. I don't care that Kenny Omega Kenny Omega's doing this belt collecting. Yeah, journey. he's just like the top guy in general. Yes, and we should probably we should probably hit on real quick. Uh, it was announced that next week for AEW, in a very long segment, way too long segment. I agree with that. You're going to have Pac, formerly known as Neville from WWE. Orange freaking Cassidy and Pac are going to fight next week for the number one contender spot for the AEW championship against Kenny Omega at Double or Nothing, I believe, was the next pay-per-view. And I want to see Omega versus Pac. Well, I think even Omega wants to see Omega versus Pac because yes. he kept saying... He made it a point that... Pac was going yeah. to win. And, you know, he just kept saying, like, why are you even saying it's Pac versus Orange Cassidy? Just line it up and already say that it's Omega versus Pac at yeah. double or nothing. Which makes me believe that it's going to be Orange Cassidy. Well, I love that Orange Cassidy just, like, came out and mm-hmm. was, like, doing his Orange Cassidy thing. And just, like, what do you what do you mean? And Orange Cassidy is a is a very polarizing figure in wrestling. But his videos have gone viral, and he has this crossover appeal as this guy that just puts his hands in his pockets, isn't trying very hard, but is still so massively over with fans. I have an Orange Cassidy shirt. Yeah, I know you love him. I think it's the only AEW shirt we currently own. And... The guy just, he just oozes charisma without even trying, and that's his whole gimmick. And it works so well, and it shouldn't. I'll tell you what, I didn't understand it at first. No. And now I get it. It's so weird. I get it when he comes out, I'm just like, all right, here we go. Like, I've shown clips of Orange Cassidy to people that are not wrestling fans. And it's just, it's funny. It's silly, but pro wrestling is silly. We still love pro wrestling, and that's why we love Orange Cassidy. But back to Blood and Guts... And I wanted to touch on Sean Spears, okay, formerly known as Ty Dillinger in WWE. He, I think him and Sammy Guevara were the workhorses of this match. I agree with that. Because you had Ty Dillinger, one, come in with the chair, chair shots to the head, right? He's the chairman of the pinnacle. And he worked his ass off. He was in so many spots. Yeah, I feel like every Him time Sam. the camera turned, I yeah. didn't understand how Sean was always there. Yeah. Like, he was in every every little match that was happening made, inside this ring. He yeah. was in it. He made such good use of every second of time yes. that that camera was on him. And he doesn't get a lot of love, I feel like, in the wrestling community. But the guy's talented. The guy is an incredible worker. And when you put guys like that in positions that they put Sean Spears in, he made everybody else look good. He made himself look good. He took that awesome coast-to-coast from Sammy Guevara, which looked brutal. Oh, yeah. This whole match looked and then brutal. He, the spot of the night, to me, was not Jericho falling off, although we'll get to that in a second because we have some things to say, or at least <laughs> I do. You had So both rings are smushed together. So you had Sammy Guevara is standing on the top rope in the middle of one of the rings, right? Sean Spears is standing on the other top rope on the other ring, and they're just, like, hands-on shouldering each other, right? And just kind of holding each other up. The balance it took to even do this spot... I think that was the most impressive part about this. Was like, incredible. How do you have a balance like that? 
like the way that they balance that, and then Sean Spears gets hit with a chair and keeps his balance, mm-hmm. and it goes right into the Spanish fly, which was that backflip, like rock bottom looking move from Sammy to Sean Spears. Incredible that they pulled it off in general, but it, they pulled it off smoothly. Yeah, it was so smooth. I don't know how they didn't. The balance enough was for me to be amazed by what they were doing. Yeah. I have zero balance. So that was amazing. But then the fact that he got hit with the chair, yep. doesn't move. Steps over to the other ropes. Yeah, like it just kept, flips off. Just kept so smoothly going and it was yep. amazing. It, the whole match was so good and everybody in it did a great yep. job. Sean Spears also, at one of the points that was picture in picture, which is a whole... A whole segment we of this show. We don't even have to get into the picture, oh my picture God. commercial. But you had Sean Spears was undoing the turnbuckle yeah. of the ring. <laughs> they literally tore this ring up. Yeah, he was just taking the ring apart at one point. Uh, I loved everything Sean Spears did. Everybody in this match was put in a great position to succeed. Wardlow had that awesome, like, he's the last one standing, and he's just going to fight off everyone by himself. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you get to... The end of the match, which was MJF throwing Chris Jericho off of the cage, which got some backlash for all the wrong reasons, because they kept saying that the floor was steel. Yeah. Okay? That floor was not steel. No. And here's the thing. Of course it's not steel. Of course it wasn't steel. Of course it's not steel. We're not mad that it wasn't steel. We're mad because it looked so obviously not (laughs) like steel. Like, we're just coming off of this John Moxley-Kenny Omega match with that awful, stupid explosion at the very end. Yeah. They killed oh an awesome God, match. Oh my God, I forgot all about that. Never that forget. killed a good match. Killed a good match. And then this match, obviously you need a crash pad. Yeah. Right? Chris Jericho's 50 years old. The fact that he even did this into Well, this was the problem people was. were saying before, that like they didn't have the crash pad when Matt Hardy... Did yeah. one of his things. Well, obviously. that was disgusting. Yeah. How Matt Hardy walks is his. No. That's a whole different thing. We don't even understand that Matt Hardy as a person stupid. anymore. Yeah. He needs a crash pad just to get through life. I don't know how he walks normally. So people were mad that he didn't have a crash pad for that, but then now people are mad that the crash pad was so obvious for Chris Jericho's fall. It's. It's just another example of AEW. And again, great match. Yeah. I loved the Kenny Omega John Moxley barbed wire death match. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And then the end was shit. Yeah. And not and this was not as bad by any means. No, see, I still like this match. Because it's I still an incredible care. fall. Like I didn't care. It was still an incredible fall. Yes. Who cares what the everything about it made sense? Of course, yeah. you quit if they're going to kill your captain, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it all worked very well. But like, it's just one of those things that it's going to hang in your head of like of seeing. What was supposed to be like diamond-plated steel bent like it was paper. Yeah, it looked like he th- went through a table. It looked like he went through cardboard boxes, which I think is might have been what it was. But it's just it's it's like a quality control problem, I guess, with like props department. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't take away from how good this match was. But what did take away from how good this match was was the picture-in-picture. And going into just commercial breaks during what was... Save this match for a pay-per-view, where there are no commercials. 
Because the commercials killed all the momentum of a great match. Well, you could tell at one point, too, when MJF was already on the top of yes. the cage and Jericho was climbing up, you could tell that yeah. he knew they were still in a commercial break because mm-hmm. he paused, he smiles, he waves at the crowd. Yeah. He, he's just... He's hamming it up a yes, little bit. It I, looked egregious. It, yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> It was just like it's like hi guys, I'm Chris Jericho. I'm climbing. Yeah, like I'll here get there I am. Eventually. Like if that was not a commercial, he would not have done any of that. No, and it would have looked that. stupid. Yeah. Yes. And it looked stupid in the picture. Like that. <laughs> yes. like, that would have been fine if we didn't see that at all. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna do commercials, just do the commercials. But this match, had it been saved for a pay per view and wasn't interrupted, could have been one of the best matches of the year. It doesn't take away from how hard these guys worked. Because I'm sure all these guys are sore as shit the Mm -hmm. next day. And probably the next day after that. Uh, For the next few days at least. Yeah. Great match. Great show. But to me this week still, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, I think, was the best match of the week. Followed by Blood and Guts. And that's nothing against the Blood and Guts guys. Or the AEW guys. It's just... I think it was just a preference. Yeah, I agree. I um, I think that I would go blood and guts over that tag team match, but I, that was one of the best women matches in WWE that I've seen in a while. And yeah, I would definitely for tag matches it, for sure. For sure, for tag matches, but just in general, it was a great women's match, and I just I think blood and guts just had so much going on that they it, did. it, it was a little bit. To me, I prefer that one like Story-wise and build-wise, blood and guts. Yes. 100%. But, like, if I'm just sitting down and I have to watch these two matches, and again, it comes down to, like, if I can watch blood and guts with no interruptions, I'm taking blood and guts. Yeah. I think it really, really killed the whole... It just killed the momentum of it. Like, it's... You're rolling a ball up... Or you're rolling, like, a snowball up a hill, and then you just kind of stop and wait and it melts and then eventually you're just rolling this melting ball up mm-hmm. the hill and it's it was literally an uphill battle they pulled it off and it ended great and the show as a whole was great but yeah they lined a lot of things up for next week too uh yes. so we'll definitely be doing another episode for next week because we are a Miro family as well yeah. and he is coming out, you know, he's the best man and he the he's man. going for the TNT title versus Darby Allen next week. Yeah. So we'll be here for that. Uh, like I said, John Moxley is the love of my life and he <laughs> has a championship next week as well that we will be tuning in for. And then I have to see Pac or Pac first. Yeah. Orange Cassidy. So we'll definitely be watching next week and we'll have two episodes out next week because NXT also has good matches because we have to see Mercedes versus Raquel. Yeah. I mean, if we're going at this pace, we might be doing two episodes a week going forward. Uh, but we will we will cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, we'll let you guys know when we when we're having an extra episode or not. But otherwise, we will see you guys on Monday for Raw and SmackDown. Got anything else? Now that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at HeBookSheBook. And don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Monday to HeBookSheBook wherever you get your podcasts.